The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, Book 4, Paragraph 25. Make trial for yourself how the life of the good man, too, fares well, of the man who is satisfied with his portion out of the whole and contented by his own just action and kind disposition. So, very short reading. Um, Obviously, my first association here is to Ben Zoma's statement in Pirkei Avos, uh, Chapter 4, Mishnah 1, which is uh, Ezehu Ashir Hasameh Pachalko, who is wealthy, one who is satisfied with his portion. And obviously, there, this is a, uh, a very common theme in Judaism, especially in, uh, in Kohelis, as, uh, as those who have been in my Kohelis here and have uh, found out. Um, but what I think this is actually doing is, uh, is I think Aurelius is elaborating on the previous uh, meditation where he talked about simplifying your life and cutting out what is unnecessary, and especially at the end, uh, the, the yesterday's reading re- uh, ended off by saying, "Wherefore, on each occasion, he should remind himself, is this not one of the necessary things? And he should remove not merely actions that are unnecessary, but imaginations also, for in this way, superfluous actions too will not follow in their train." So this idea of simplifying your life not only by cutting out unnecessary actions directly, but also cutting out unnecessary uh, imaginations or uh, fantasies for for things that you don't actually need or for things that are superfluous, that cuts out a whole swath of of stresses and pains and pursuits and consequences uh, that would have ordinarily plagued you. So one of the best um, uh, elaborations on this uh, that I've read is in the Rambam's Mornavuchim 312. Uh, and uh, I, I'm the entire chapter is worth reading, but I'm just going to read this little excerpt here. He says, The soul, when accustomed to superfluous things, acquires a strong habit of desiring things which are neither necessary for the preservation of the individual nor for that of the species. This desire is without a limit. Whilst things which are necessary are few in number and restricted within certain limits, what is superfluous is without end. For example, you desire to have your vessels of silver, but golden vessels are still better. Others have even vessels of sapphire, or perhaps they could be made of emerald or rubies or any other substance that could be suggested. Those who are ignorant and perverse in their thoughts are constantly in trouble and pain because they cannot get as much of superfluous things as a certain other person possesses. They, as a rule, expose themselves to great dangers, for example, by sea voyage or service of kings, and all this for the purpose of obtaining that which is superfluous and not necessary. When they thus meet with the consequences of the course which they adopt, they complain of the decrees and judgments of God. They begin to blame the time and wonder at the lack of justice in its changes, that it has not enabled them to acquire great riches, with which they could buy large quantities of wine for the purpose of making themselves drunk, and numerous concubines adorned with various kinds of ornaments of gold, embroidery, and jewels for the purpose of driving themselves to sexual indulgence beyond their capacities, as if the whole universe existed exclusively for the purpose of giving pleasure to these low people. <laughs> okay, so so that that's a very vivid uh, uh, depiction of like the life of desiring superfluous things and uh and and you can see it's a chain reaction you desire superfluous things that causes pain from not having those things and pain from envy at the people who do have those things the pursuit of those things causes you to take upon yourself additional 
um, you know, uh, tasks, uh, chiefly probably making more money, but, um, but, uh, it, you know, and, and, and those tasks expose you to greater pains and greater consequences. Uh, and then when you, uh, when you don't get it, then it also causes you to, uh, to blame God, to blame the universe, uh, to blame circumstances, which causes you even more pain. So you can see that there's this whole, like, like, you know, uh, world of pain that you attach yourself to through desire for superfluous things. And then I, you know, because I had thought, uh, yesterday of, uh, of Thoreau at Walden, uh, which is something <laughs> that I find myself doing in uh, December and January of every year for some reason, uh, for the last, like, uh, I don't know, 10 years. Um, uh, I thought of another passage in Thoreau, which is another just amusing example of this, not quite as dramatic as the Ramams. So this is in Walden in the chapter entitled Economy. Uh, so he's talking here, he's going to be talking here about uh, one example of where people get caught up in what is superfluous. And that example is um, is the condition of their clothing. So he says, no man ever stood the lower in my estimation for having a patch on his clothes. Yet I'm sure that there is greater anxiety commonly to have fashionable or at least clean and unpatched clothes than to have a sound conscience. But even if the rent is not mended, perhaps the worst vice betrayed is improvidence. I sometimes try my acquaintances by such tests as this. And by the way, that's how I got to this passage. I was thinking, I thought I remember Thoreau talking about uh, trying your life by certain tests. And um, and and that's how I really started uh, today's reading, make trial for yourself. Um, so that was just my association. So he says, I sometimes try, going on a Thoreau, I sometimes try my acquaintances by such tests as this. Who could wear a patch or two extra seams only over the knee? Most behave as if they believed that their prospects for life would be ruined if they should do it. It would be easier for them to hobble to town with a broken leg than with a broken pantaloon. Often, if accident happens to a gentleman's legs, they can be mended. But if a similar accident happens to the legs of his pantaloons, there is no help for it. For he considers not only not what is truly respectable, but what is respected. So um, that's, uh, you know, that's an example that it relates to what I uh, talked about uh, last week, Friday, about like the... Uh, um, the, uh, uh, scuffing up the shield of my car, you know, like, like people get all bent out of shape when the shield of their car gets bent out of shape. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's superfluous, it's unnecessary, you know, and, uh, but yet they react to it as though it was an injury, you know? Um, I, I also want to just mention here, just for the sake of clarifying both in Stoicism and in Judaism, that this emphasis on, on not caring about superfluous things should not be confused with with asceticism okay and they look similar right it looks like in both cases um then then what's being advocated is to like withdraw from worldly pleasures uh but that's not the case uh this it's not the case in the stoics because the stoics write especially seneca um they write a lot about how like we don't advocate withdrawing from pleasure uh, but what we do advocate is is um, is cultivating your relationship to pleasure and being able to go without it, um, but not withdrawing from it entirely. Stoicism is not asceticism. Similarly, um, in Judaism, uh, Stoicism is not asceticism. Um, and, and I think that the two uh, paradigms, I guess, to keep here are the word for asceticism or ascetic practices that's often used in the Rishon is is precious, uh, literally separation, but means separation from worldly desires. And then the quality that that Aurelius is focusing on here is, uh, I mean, he's he Aurelius uses the phrase sameach b'chelko, being happy with your portion, but the uh, noun that is often used is histapkus, which means 
being content with with your portion or being content with what is necessary. So again, you've got his topkus, which is contentedness with what's necessary, and then prishus, which is separation from worldly desires. And if you look in Avraham ben Arambam's book, uh, Hamaspik Ovde Hashem, he actually has two separate chapters devoted to this. Uh, topku, there's the Sharhai Histapkus, which is chapter nine, which is very short, uh, ironically or thematically. And then chapter 10 is uh, the Shar Haprishus. And in the Shar Hahistapkus, he says explicitly, he, uh, so the very fact that there are two chapters means that they're two separate traits, but he does say that they're related. And he says, Histapkus um, is the foundation and root of the trait of Prishus. Uh, but then he, he clarifies, he says, everyone who is a Baal Prishus is also a Baal Histapkus, but not everyone who is a Baal Histapkus is a Baal Prishus. In other words, a- anyone who does engage in in ascetic practices of withdrawing from worldly pleasures, by definition, is going to be someone who is 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 able to be content, or at least is striving to be content with what they have and what is necessary. So that's every ball prejuice is a ball histopkus, but not every ball histopkus is a ball prejuice. Meaning, just because you have contented yourself with what's necessary and with your portion, does not mean that you're going to withdraw from worldly pleasures. So I just wanted to clarify that because I think it's very easy. I mean, the Ramam also talks about this in Hilfos Deus um, in, uh, what is it, chapter 3, at the beginning of chapter 3, um, that people who are engaged in, um, you know, in working on the inner life, there are certain people who are drawn to asceticism, and uh, and, and the Ramam talks there about how the Torah is uh, is very against that. In fact, let me just read this. I didn't plan on reading this earlier, but let me just get it up here, because uh, I think it is relevant. Um, he says, oh, actually, you know what? I'm almost at my time, a 10 minute time limit. So maybe, maybe we'll save this for another time. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that is it for today's episode. Uh, if you have gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. The link is in the description. Uh, thank you to my listeners for listening. And thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.